Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. All right. Um, what's up, D2C pod? Today, we're joined by Chaz and Emmett from Awful Cloth, um, who are building some really amazing, building an amazing brand in the apparel space. So uh, Chaz and Emmett, why don't you guys kick us off? Tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you guys are building at Awful Cloth. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm Chaz. I'm Emmett. And uh, we run Awful Cloth, and we are an apparel and mindset brand based in New York City. Uh, we emphasize in a combination of loungewear and streetwear. And uh, we've been doing this for three and a half years now. Yep. So we started Awful in college. And um, a lot of people ask right away, like, what does Awful mean? Why is it Awful? And it's not actually bad. The whole idea is that it means full of awe. So Awful is all about finding the good within the bad or finding the full of awe within the awful. Um, and that kind of pervades everything we do. Sweet. So where, where were you guys uh, in college when you, got, when you got started? Yeah, so uh, I was actually at Indiana. Yeah, he was at IU, and then I was at Fordham University, not Florida like Miami, like you guys. Uh, Fordham up in the Bronx. Yeah. So the what idea year were you in? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were a freshman, so it was the second semester. Uh, I was like right at the beginning of the second semester, and uh, yeah, we were both freshmen. Yeah. So we just graduated college, like almost a year ago. So. Wow, you stuck with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it was. It was like a. You know, we we were trying to figure out. At, in the beginning, we didn't know if we were going to be doing it full time, but um, like right toward the end, we were really trying to make that happen so and how'd you guys know each other did uh are you guys like friends from home in chicago or what or what was the link yeah so uh we we were actually both on the swim team in high school so uh, we met like our sophomore year but he wasn't my best friend in high school he was like an acquaintance and like we're we were kind of like different in high school i guess like not in a bad way like we were friends but like we were in the same circle is that if that's what you want to call it yeah our, our, our only real crossover was on the swim team um, so we were never hanging out outside of school, except for like to and from swim practice. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And now I guess he's like my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> but like, no, but we're, we're, we're yeah. <laughs> so, so you were going to share the story. So, and you know, the, obviously whoever's listening to the podcast doesn't get to see this, but just so I can get this right, uh, you know, from my perspective, I see both of you, I see Chaz and Emmett. Are you Chaz on with the blue hat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, perfect. Okay, Chaz, I know you were going to say the story earlier. Um, would you, you want to kick us off with, with the story of like how it all got started? Absolutely. So it was all, it all started with a quesadilla maker, actually. So uh, back in college, so I went to yeah, Indiana, and um, during my college experience, like especially late at night, I'd always get hungry. And late night pizza was always so expensive. It took too long to come. So I took initiative in my own hands and ordered a quesadilla maker online. And started making quesadillas for myself in my dorm. So three simple ingredients, cheese, tortilla, a little hot sauce, my famous hot sauce. Um, and I was just making for myself. And my floor mates sniffed me out. They're like, are you making quesadillas? I'm like, 
yeah, I am. And like, we'd love to buy some. And I was like, oh, okay, I didn't make this, get this for you guys, but you know what, I'll sell, I'll sell some quesadillas. So I called them chazadillas actually, and sold them to like my floor mates and other people from different dorms were coming to me for my quesadillas. They were like very famous on campus, the freshman side for a little bit. And uh, what I really loved with my little quesadilla business was how it was making people so happy with something I created. I was very inspired by that. And I thought that, you know what, like if I can inspire people or make people happy with just a little Mexican snack, I could definitely do something more sustainable like fashion. And um, me and Emmett both, we didn't major in fashion at all, even though I was, so I was like a marketing major, business, whatever. But um, we we didn't major in fashion, but we we're both very fashionable guys and we were, we were very interested in that. So uh, I started the ideas of Awful and I reached out to Emmett actually, because he was like notoriously talented for uh, his art and design. And I knew that from high school and I thought he would actually be the perfect match for the brand. So. Yeah, so, so then Chaz reached out to me. Um, this is all post-Quesadilla Maker. And um, he basically kind of like started talking to me about this idea that he had for a clothing brand. And um, he wanted me to be, you know, do some designs for him. Um, originally, Chaz didn't want uh, to be partners in the business. He just wanted me to make a couple of designs and then buy them off me. So, you know, I was really, I was like skeptical, and but I was interested, of course. Um, and so every time I would send him a design, I'd like have a watermark on it. And I like, would make sure like, you know, you can't use this until you purchase it from me or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we were just working together for like so many weeks at that point that I was like, you know, I have a ton of ideas, like let's try to do something together here and see if we can do a better job together. Uh, so that's how it started, yeah. And it took us uh, eight to nine months to actually develop the idea and uh, we were just going through figuring out our manufacturing and how to set up a website and Shopify and all of that. And uh, really the biggest thing was kind of figuring out the meaning behind Awful and uh, how I kind of thought of like the word was basically um, the word it kind of just like came up and we like researched it more and like in depthly and the fourth definition of the word means full of awe so uh, we thought that was very like striking and it's a very striking and powerful word that we thought that you know we could definitely do a double meaning with this because we want to be able to inspire people to look at perspective differently and understand uh, optimism and have a better mindset of things so we, we we were definitely thinking of that along the way once we uh released it and when you when you built the first when you made the first product which one was it was it a hat was it a hoodie was it a shirt and how did you get that message you know how did you pick that first product because you had to get that message across of the brand um or was it more just because you know it was easier to to, to make a hat say than hoodies or a shirt like wh how, what was the first product you made so, so the first product, I mean, we, we like went through a couple of products. I would say like the first official product would have been the yellow hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we had like, we had just been, we really started with designs. Um, and we're kind of just seeing like, you know, what works where it was all on my like iPad. Um, we didn't have anything really physically. It was all like, we would do it as we made it. Um, and the first product was a yellow hoodie. Chaz was like, you know, I think we should start off with the yellow hoodie. I think it'd be striking. Like we don't see them around enough. And it was just kind of like something that we were just excited about. Uh, we figured it was like, you know, it says awful, but it's bright, it's colorful. Um, so it kind of like has the duality in a very like mild way. Um, so yeah, I would say that that's the, the first thing that we did. And uh, that was the first like real product we made. Yeah. And then we, we focused on a couple other hoodies and t-shirts too. Just like simple stuff that we could get made and printed. And uh, that's kind of the direction we started with because it was just the most convenient thing for us at the time and the hats and all the other stuff that we've made have like slowly been like developed throughout the journey obviously and 
uh, being in, being able to have like a stronger manufacturing and being able to have uh, that is helpful for us to like expand our like uh, catalog. And so that, you know, that first yellow hoodie, I, I assume, you know, the goal was to get it striking around campus. Like, how did you accomplish that? What was it when you had the hoodies and you're like, we have to make a wave with this. Everyone around campus has to be like, where are these hoodies coming from? Was was that it? Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a combination of uh, campus and like back at home. Because when we actually, by the time we released um, Awful, like the first collection, first everything, we were actually back at home. It was in the summertime. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously everybody we knew was a college student. So that's a, that's a big part of where we like started to really like, you know, learn what it meant to do marketing, um, and to create a buzz, like you were saying. Um, so yeah, I guess you can tell a little bit. Yeah. So basically what our first initial strategy before releasing was, um, getting, getting like, uh, women from our colleges and from home who have like a higher amount of followers to, uh, wear our stuff and post it the same day. So like we released, we released August 11th, uh, 2018, which seems like so long ago, right? Um, so we, we, we did all these photo, shot, uh, photo shoots with, you know, different people from like our schools and home. And um, when we released that day, we kept it a secret from like our families and friends. Like nobody knew until like we dropped, and except the people who like modeled and stuff. And uh, we blew up Instagram that day because we thought, oh, we were just going to get 10,000 followers on our Instagram and so many sales because, like, we have these girls have followers and all, all our friends have followers and they're tagging us and posting us. So that was, like, our initial strategy, just, like, creating that, like, local feel where it's, like, a few girls from uh, my school or a few guys from, like, home or a few guys from his school or what whatever, like, we're wearing, see, seeing it, posting stories about it and, like, making Instagram posts about it and people seeing that and recognizing that um, and understanding that that came from us. And originally we were, I mean, it took us like a long time to actually release because we were like, are we going to do this? Because it's a, it's a big jump. You know what I mean? And it, it was, uh, it was kind of like tough thinking like, oh, do we want to be those guys that were like entrepreneurs, you know, with the small t-shirt line? Because we, we were nothing, you know, and uh, that's, but we, we, we went for it and we got a lot of great support from our communities um, wherever we were and it, it went great. And that, that's kind of what started the. Uh, awareness, um, whether in Chicago, Indiana, Florida, Miami, Ohio. Um, yeah. I, I have one question before I ask more about this launch. Is it is awful for men and women or is it yeah, for yeah. both? Did, did you guys ever have a debate on this? Like, no, it should be, you know, is it going to be for guys? Is it going to be for women? Or was the idea to just go for both from the very beginning? Uh, we, we didn't really have like too many debates about it, but I think just in the beginning when you're creating something, you're uh, a lot of times you're just looking from your own experience. So, you know, we were building stuff that I was always kind of thinking like, oh, I would wear this, I would wear this or kind mm -hmm. of like that. Um, but we pretty quickly realized, especially like knowing that we wanted to do hoodies and T-shirts and hats, that it was a it was very unisex. Um, and uh, so it was, it was pretty early on that we knew we wanted to just be unisex um, loungewear, streetwear. So, yeah. So, so back to the launch, it was all influencers, um, from your hometown, from campus, like what, what, well, I see Chas shaking, shaking his head a bit. Yeah. They weren't influencers. influencers. I, they had like 2000 followers on Instagram. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nowadays some, everyone is not like nothing, yeah, yeah. Like, not real influencers, yeah. but, but that's why I think like when Chas says, uh, that we like reached out to like a lot of girls from my hometown, we basically realized early on. You know, we're like, okay, who has the most um, stick with their followers? Who has the most followers in general? And for the most part, it was women. 
Um, uh, a lot of times guys just tended to have less followers, so we were less focused on them in the beginning. Um, but that was just for the initial drop. Um, it, was, it was really just the idea that on one day we wanted everyone in town to at least have been following one person who was making these posts. Um, so we spread out and just try to see how many people we could get, like kind of the best bang for our buck. Um, and, uh, and so yeah. how well did that work? Like how many units, if you can share, how many units did you push? And also how did that experience influence, like how you use influencers, micro influencers and nano influencers, et cetera, today? Yeah. So the first day we actually got like a hundred orders, which was like a lot for us. And like, we were like so excited and happy. And then throughout the like next like couple of weeks and stuff, like orders slowly came in. So it, it was, it, it was a big jump the first day, but it slowly like trickled down because we... All, all we did was just make an Instagram post and say, hey, like buy this and like, slowly started posting. So we, we did have a lot of traction like that first day and a lot of our friends and family and random people were buying it. And that, that was like, we knew this was gonna be a thing. People believed in the word awful, so. Yeah. And then I think also we, like you were asking, um, we believed in influencer marketing like very early on. So we knew that a lot of people were supporting us because they knew us and they wanted to just be there to support. Um, so obviously almost everybody that day was friends and family or acquaintances, people who knew our friends. Um, but we saw just how impactful it could be and how many people we could reach. Um, and I think also just realizing that something that, uh, another thing that we really like kind of, uh, that we leveraged early on was understanding that all the people that we knew had gone to college for at least one year at that point. Um, so they had followers from their individual colleges. So not only did they have followers that were all within our town, but you know, this person from CU Boulder and this person from IU and this person from, you know, U Miami. Um, so it was very easy to access like a country full of people, even if those people weren't necessarily the ones buying right away. Um, we at least got onto their feeds. So yeah, so yeah. I think a, a lot of people that's, that's super interesting. A lot of people like say, you know, selling the first units, it's like the hardest part, but I, I feel like probably then it's like after all your friends and your homies buy it, then you're like, well, now who is going to buy it? Like, it's probably more pressure on the second batch of inventory. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would say that's the hardest part. Like in the beginning, people want to support. Um, and then after that, once all your friends have bought it, like, where do you go from there? But, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then guys, the other question I'd have in terms of, um, you know, that super early stage sort of stuff, like from an inventory perspective, perspective what were you guys doing had you were you guys just like drop shipping in the beginning or did you actually like have the designs and you were like storing a bunch of boxes in your dorm room that you're going to ship out like what did the like actual logistics look like super super early on yeah so uh we we actually like made some of the stuff like locally in illinois and then we found a manufacturer to kind of like hold it in a warehouse and create it and hold it there and being able to ship it out so um and we we've, we've been bouncing between manufacturers the last like two, three, four years and figure out wh what's better for us and what's easier for us to use. So like, that's kind of the initial uh, thing we did. And we ordered by like units. So like uh, 50 to 100 units in the beginning, depending on the product. So, per so you you guys were just like, you know, you said you, you did like 100 orders your first day. So you guys had already gone in, you'd, you'd purchased, you know, call it like maybe 50, 100, 200 sort of units. So you had some inventory ready to go. And um, did, were, did, yeah, go go for it. No, no, I was like, we, we, we were prepared for that day and we were prepared and we, we got all this stuff and we, we were confident that we were going to sell and thank, thank God we did. We, it, it worked really well for us. So, Cool. And then, um, you know, also, I'm sure there's a bunch of 
kids in you know college who might be listening and thinking about like launching a brand in while while you're in school so how how did you guys finance that first run was this just through like personal savings or was it from you know your quesadilla business like how do you get that capital together to to purchase all the units up front and do all the designs and everything that you were going to do yeah um i well quesadilla is for me i i use my quesadilla money to put it back in the business but emmett has a little different story than i do yeah so so we're like serial entrepreneurs um so ever since i was like a little kid i would do um all kinds of entrepreneurial ventures uh, where, you know, like in elementary school, I was selling like paper airplanes for five cents and um, I would sell drawings that I would make of students, like cartoon drawings, um, like, and that was early on. Um, but the first time that, I'll tell like a little story. Uh, the first time that I ever heard the word entrepreneur uh, was, I don't know if you guys even know anything about this, but there was like a portion of time where duct tape wallets were like a huge thing for kids. Um, where you'd like be making your own duct tape wallet. This was like early YouTube, you know, when the tutorials were all like, it was just low quality. But um, so I, I ended up like making a bunch of duct tape wallets and getting really into this. Um, and uh, I kind of had this idea that I would go into town and I would sell duct tape wallets to like the boutiques in my town, like just a small town. Um, and uh, so I went into town one day with like 30, 40 duct tape wallets in my hand, walking from store to store. And, you know, most of them were like, you know, what does this have to do with us? Like, we don't sell anything like this. Like, it's not relevant. But uh, one of the stores actually bought 20 of my duct tape wallets. So I was like, oh, wow, this is this is pretty legit. I could do this. Um, and so I sold 20 duct tape wallets to Tigers and Tulips, a store in my town. Um, and I was walking home with the remainder of the wallets that I didn't sell. And um, my mom, like, drove by in the car, um, just, like, randomly by happenstance. And she looked at me holding these wallets. And she's like, what are you doing? And I told her what I was doing. And uh, she's like, look at you, you're, you're such a little entrepreneur. And um, ever since that day, like I really became attached to that word, honestly. Um, and uh, I went home and I looked it up and I like kind of just really got behind the idea of being an entrepreneur. So um, I had other ventures after that. So um, in high school later, I got a gumball machine that I put, uh, I purchased and I like built and I put into the car wash in my hometown, uh, Fuller's Car Wash, shout out to Fuller's. And um, so I would make pocket change from there. And then in college, um, I had an electric bike, which we moved out of the way for this podcast. But um, I have this I had this bike in college that I would use to basically I, I used to always ride it around. And um, at Miami of Ohio, which is my first college before I transferred to Fordham, uh, there was a package system which was very similar to the Amazon lockers. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, so those lockers, you can go up to scan a barcode and your package will pop out. Um, so it was super easy to get your package. All you needed was a barcode, but Miami was a pretty big campus. Um, and so a lot of people didn't want to go there. So basically you could send the barcode to your friend and your friend could get the package. And I realized, oh my God, like I could easily do this. So I started a package business where I would say, you know, $5 and I'll deliver your package wherever you're at. Um, and I, and I did that like my entire first year I was delivering like, I mean, literally like a lot of packages. I mean, definitely between like five and 10 packages a day. Um, like just consistently. And um, that's where we got pretty much all of our money yeah. to start the business. And we, we used it all on buying inventory and um, paying for like the Shopify subscription. And to this day, we have been completely bootstrapping without any help. Not from just like KCD and money, but we'll, we'll tell you along with like how we've gotten to this point now, how? but we're completely bootstrapping. And so how have you been bootstrapping it, right? Like, you know, okay, when you successfully sell out of inventory, like 
that comes with work and more work to sell the next batch of inventory. Um, you know, now you're getting content from all these influencers, somebody who's handling like the content, somebody has to handle the feed. Um, you know, Emmett is making all these designs. Uh, Chas is probably just, you know, helping also grow the business more. Are you spending on marketing now? Like, you know, are you, are you putting budget for bigger influencers? Because you have all these friends that post for you, but like we mentioned earlier, eventually you run out of all these people to post for you. So are you guys still just two people? Um, like how, how have you been bootstrapping it? Yeah, so we are a two-man show, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story on like, what has helped us sustain being able to do this full-time, where we have bootstraps, and uh, I mean, we, we had a really big growth in 2020, so that's when we first, so the first two years of Awful, we were just, you know, trying to keep it local, trying to keep it community, like our colleges, whatever, and it was just slowly growing. We didn't touch any, like, social media advertising, we just posted our own page and whatever. Um, but in 2020, we had like two big goals. It was one, to go international, have awful cloth worldwide. And then two, start using influencers or celebrities to promote our product. So uh, we started reaching out to a lot of like different people through like email and social media. And um, we got a few responses, a couple no's at first, but the first person to actually wear our stuff and tag, tag us on their story was this guy named Christian French who is this, he's like this singer artist guy and he actually went to Indiana for sex. So um, he wore our story, uh, his story and tagged us and we got like two followers from that. And we were like, this works. We're like, this stuff really works. So uh, we kept reaching out to people. We had people like um, Bryce Hall and Gabby Hanna wear stuff. Um, this is like early February, 2020. And then um, we got a, a big response from uh, Charlie D'Amelio and we, we sent her a hoodie and um, then quarantine hit. Or, you know, like COVID, the pandemic, like uh, I was actually abroad. I got sent home. Like Everyone was just in their house. Everyone was downloading TikTok and figuring out this TikTok thing, right? Uh, and Charlie was like a big, still like she was big on TikTok before and after, you know? So uh, she was growing like crazy. And there was uh, one day where she wore her hoodie in 11 videos. Um, and we didn't even have TikTok at the time. We didn't even know. I, I got a text from like uh, this guy who was like, I'm not, I wasn't even close to this. Like, yo, man, like, I see this Charlie girl wearing her hoodie. Like, the, the congratulations. I was like, oh, like, you know her? Like, you know, this girl, you know? So then we, we got a lot of, like, text and uh, response from that. And uh, our Instagram grew to, like, 10K that day. Our TikTok grew uh, tremendously. And we got a lot of orders, so many orders where we, we I mean, we sold out. We, we, we didn't know what to do with, like, the amount of orders, like, we received. It was unbelievable the influence that she had. And, uh, she didn't even tag us really like she we I mean we just sent her the stuff um, and she she liked it and she wore it and in the comments people were like oh where did you get this hoodie from like where did you get this hoodie like where's this hoodie from and we were in the comments yeah Chaz and I were just in the comments all day long I mean like literally we had just downloaded TikTok that morning when Chaz called me he's like yo Emmett I like woke up to his phone call he's like Emmett like something big has happened dude you got to check this out and we look at it and it's just like I think there was like one video at the time when we first looked throughout the day she just kept posting videos and videos of her just wearing our hoodie um you know dead center and at this time i think she had 70 million followers yeah, i think she had 70 million on tiktok or yeah right yeah yeah i think TikTok. she had 70 million followers on tiktok which is just insane obviously um and it was just Chaz and i all day long and, and all my sisters like in the comments replying to every anybody asking about the hoodie saying awful cloth awful cloth like trying to send them to our website to our instagram um, so yeah, that was it. And it worked out really well for us. Um, 
and being able to like have that traction. And then other TikTokers started reaching out to us and right. they're like, oh, I want your hoodie. And I'm like, yeah, we'll take care of it. You know what I mean? So we, had, we, we were getting all these orders and not paying any of these people a dime for just wearing it. And it, it looks, it just looks more genuine when they, the, you see them wearing and enjoying it rather than saying, hey, buy off a cloth, hashtag ad. You know, it doesn't look as cool or it doesn't look like they actually enjoy the product, but when they're just seen like wearing and enjoying it, they, it, it works, so. Yeah. And so. So no one, we've never paid anybody uh, ever to wear our clothes to this day. So, um, which is something that we're very proud of and we've wanted to stick to. Um, and uh, it's proven to be, you know, a really good thing for us. No, and it just seems like there's alignment in terms of your product, your branding, and like that whole, um, you know, the whole generation. And it's something that seems like when you send your product to someone like Charlie um, with a massive distribution, again, she's just trying to like probably wear dope stuff, right? So like if you can create a product that's like fits with with what she's trying to do, then uh, then it's natural and it makes sense. So why don't you take me back to a little bit before when you guys were like maybe building a list or figuring out who you want to seed your product to, like who was on your list? How were you like reaching out to them? And, and what was that process? What was that process? Like what type of hit rate were you getting? And then um, on the back end of that, were there any other people like Charlie who were able to post your stuff or, or what were some of the successes or maybe shortcomings in, in that first initial wave of running that sort of campaign? Definitely. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it was, uh, we, we basically set out at the beginning of the year, we wrote a, a contract with each other saying, um, every day we just need to reach out to one person each. Um, and just just for, just purely to be doing it. Um, so some days there were people that we felt that were more in line with their brand, and some days there were just people that we just personally wanted to see in our clothes. Um, and so we, we, we knew that, uh, we kind of knew who our market was. So our market, and now is even a little bit younger than we initially had planned, um, but really it's anywhere between like 15 and 25 years old is like our main market. Um, so, you know, all like young and through college. Um, so we were basically looking for people who like fit that. Um, but beyond that, we also wanted them to be happy people. We, we wanted it to be people who were like happy and exciting and just matched with the brand in that way. Um, especially people who were focused on uh, perspective and a positive mindset, uh, which is like directly in line with our brand. So, so obviously Charlie was one of those people. Um, and not only that, but she had a great following and she had great traction. Um, but there were a few other people that, uh, we reached out to sometimes, uh, it was, uh, people that we had better access to. Um, and sometimes it was just people who we had no access to like Charlie, for example. Um, yeah. So I can, I can name a few of the people that have worn our stuff, um, over the last like year or so. So Charlie D'Amelio, obviously, um, we got Addison Ray, but that, that's a different story. Um, Bryce Hall, uh, Josh Richards, uh, Blake Gray, Jason Derillo, uh, Dave Portnoy, Dylan Francis, Mo Bamba, Jay Sean Tate, Chase Claypool, um, Nia Sue, Bella Porch, um, Anna Shoemate. Um, some of these are TikTokers. So you, you might recognize some of these names. Uh, did I say Dylan Francis? Did I say? Yeah, I mean, it, these are, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's just like it's it's whatever strategy fits your brand best. There's no like, you know, blueprint for this necessarily. You hit the right person at the right time, the right circumstances. And like, it's funny how some people say, oh, you want to get like all these like small influencers or micro influencers first. So then, you know, you work your way up to like somebody like Charlie, but you just went for it. And instead you created this like domino reverse effect where you went for the top dog. And now like every influencer is 
like, I want to promote, I want to be like Charlie. I want to promote the stuff that Charlie promotes. And like, you know, Dave Portnoy, Dave Portnoy is a media mogul. You get Dave Portnoy, you get access and everyone else as well. So I have to dive into that one. You, I saw you guys were doing a product with Barstool. So t- tell me more about that. I actually saw him on the street the other day um, oh. here in Miami Beach and we screamed at him and he just said, what's up? He was actually just buying pizza at this place. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, so uh, so obviously Dave Portnoy is a little different than Charlie D'Amelio. They're not exactly in the same like market. Um, but uh, I, again, like something I just want to touch on even before that was we, I think like a huge reason why it was easy for us, um, not easy, but a, a reason why we resonated with these people was because we just tried to be authentic the whole way through. Um, so it turns out that when people got our hoodies, they wanted to wear them and they just continued to wear them. Um, so it was very natural in that way. Um, and so we have people who wear hoodies like Charlie D'Amelio. And then we also have people who are Dave Portnoy, who are much older and a different gender and in a totally different market. Um, and so Dave Portnoy was somebody that, um, had been wearing our clothes a few times. So he's got a couple hoodies, like maybe like four or five hoodies. I'm not sure exactly. Um, and we had seen him wear them a lot, uh, to the point where, you know, he would be on vacation somewhere wearing our hoodie. And, uh, Chaz's friend mentioned to us one time, he said, Hey, that's, that's a big deal that he's wearing this on vacation. That means he packed this hoodie. You know what I mean? So it means he really liked this hoodie. Because when you go on vacation, you don't bring all of your clothes. You just bring the clothes you really want to wear. You pack your awful, you know? Yeah, you pack your awful. So, uh, so you know, he we noticed that he really liked the brand. Um, and he is notorious for only wearing Barstool. He's, I mean, obviously, they have endless merch. Um, and so he's got a ton of merch to wear. But when he chooses to wear awful, we know that he really likes it. Um, so we had reached out to him and, and said, basically, Hey, we, we know you love this stuff. Um, we, we love you. We where, where did you reach out on uh, Instagram? On Instagram. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. We reached out. We're like, Hey, like, this is like, we sent the pizza to them. We're like, Hey, this is like what we, we, we should for sure collaborate on this hoodie. Like let's do it for like black Friday. This was like in September. And he responded in like five minutes yeah, yeah. and he was like, okay, what are the, the unit costs for these blah, blah. And we were just talking details. And then he was like, all right, like, I'm going to put us in an email chain with um, the director of e-commerce and, like, the CEO and, like, all these, like, barstool, this whole barstool team. And then we started collaborating and working together and uh, getting him the samples and just um, making sure, like, the like, we were producing enough, like, making, like, the deadlines for, like, Black Friday. So they wanted 3,500 hoodies. Um, and we, this uh, hoodie was, like, puff print, like, eight colors. Um, we had to get all, like bagging the stickers and all took care of all that within like four months which seems like oh that's like a long time but like it 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 was a lot for like that quantity of hoodies and uh we got it done and it it was barstool's uh best-selling hoodie of all time actually so uh it went really really well yeah so yeah it it was it was a lot uh it was crazy but basically you know we just had established kind of that he already liked the brand and we wanted to work together um, and we just went back and forth for a while and, uh, yeah, so we ended up doing that and that was, that's our biggest collab, um, and something that we were really excited to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think what's really cool there is like you were saying, you just spotted this guy wearing your stuff. So you knew like, at least when you were making the, the, um, you know, the entry point to him and being like, Hey guys, like he knew who you guys are, right? Like he was wearing your stuff. Like you're saying, he's packing his stuff on, packing your stuff on vacation. But what I'm curious about and what I'm sure a lot of people would like love to kind of hear about, because it seems like 
what you were able to pull off with someone like Charlie, like when no, like, sure, you have like your friends and your local family and maybe a couple micro nano influencers repping your stuff, but like hitting, going like all the way to the, to mainstream, like the main stage is like kind of crazy. And I'm sure for every entrepreneur, that's like their, you know, that's, that's the dream, right? Like that's hitting it out of the park, especially in fashion apparel, that sort of thing. So when you're doing the reach out, like what were you just like DMing her on Instagram or like, how, how did this, how did, how did it unfold? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we just asked like, for example, like, you know, let's say a random influencer like, Hey, like, like what's your hoodie size? Like, we'd love to like send you a hoodie. Simple, simple as that. So, um, and they, they were like, yeah, give us an address and then they wear it. And I mean, we don't, we don't ask for like too much. Like we just, we're just, Hey, like here's a hoodie rather than be like, Hey, please tag us on your story and or Instagram posts. And we think that's like kind of like the wrong approach because that makes them not wanting to wear it. They're like, okay, like there's, they just want me for my marketing, for my followers and stuff like that. But we, we go with the approach uh, where it's like, Hey, we just, we just want you to wear a hoodie and like wear it. And like, we want people to see it. And you know, it does we don't if tag us or not like we just want our hoodie to be out there and see the people to recognize our brand so that's kind of like our approach when uh doing work with like influencer celebrities but so so i assume a lot of these creators you just don't you don't hear from them again you don't you don't see them post it and like that's cool like that's the cost of doing business for for getting like you know whereas like the return when you get somebody like charlie is like well you know that's the cost of, of having just other people not do it. It's it's still worth the ROI. Is that is that yeah. the case? I, I wouldn't say like at that far because we are not sending out a lot of hoodies. Um, we, we really aren't actually sending out as many as you might think. Um, we're, we're pretty specific about it. So we want to be able to reach out to somebody. We never send a hoodie blind. Um, we only send a hoodie that with P2, people that we interact with. Um, so a lot of times it's on Instagram. Um, or they've seen us or something like that, or even people who we meet. Um, we've gone to LA a few times to meet with some of these influencers and get to know them and stuff like that. But um, uh, yes and no. So sometimes people don't, um, but I would say that almost everybody we send to uh, posts or send us a picture in some way. Um, but uh, kind of to answer your question, Blaine, like before, um, it, it, a lot of it really has to do with the back end. So it's not so much the way that we're reaching out exactly or... Um, any specific like special magic tricks that we have. Um, it's just that for, you know, for a long time, we've been putting together a brand that we really care about with uh, a meaning that a lot of people resonate with. Um, so it's a lot of times people really just like what we do and like what we make. Um, or they specifically like one hoodie so much, they're like, just send me that hoodie. That's the only one I want. Um, and so it really is, uh, it's a lot more about their like for us or the brand than it is like our ability to coerce them into something. Um, Cause like Chaz said, we, we never send, um, we've never sent like, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody would send contracts or anything like that, but we never do anything like that. It, it's all very natural. Um, and uh, people don't really respond well to that. So, you know, it's, it's sort of like we reach out to people who we like, who we think resonate with the brand. Um, and if they like us back, then we pursue it. Um, and if they don't, it's, it's totally okay. And it's something that we kind of just don't focus on. Um, but there are a lot of people who really like us as much as we like them. And, you know, it's like friends in that way. Uh, you can't make everybody like you. Uh, you just have to be your honest self and the people who want to find you will find you. So it sounds almost cheesy, but I really do think that that's why we've had success. Um, and, uh, we haven't had to waste all of our time sending hoodies to random people. Um, 
you know so i yeah. think i think it i think it works too because you know you guys aren't thinking of like okay how do we scale this as much as possible you know that you doing the things that don't scale but actually you know build the relationship with the creator like even flying to la like you know obviously how is that going to scale you know that's not going to be all you do is like nonstop meeting influencers but it does help them sort of feel a closer relationship to you um and you know that doesn't scale forever unit economics you, you know you probably can't even measure it but uh if it's the right person that is the right fit for for your brand they're just gonna feel like there's such a degree of separation between you and the brand that's in their inbox you know in their dm saying hey please you know use coupon whatever we love you uh we love your content like post this <laughs> yeah no you're totally right um yeah it really is about and i know that this uh is something that kind of like goes around in the like marketing and entrepreneurial world a lot but it's the idea that you have to sort of be not necessarily niche, but you just have to be specific. Um, sometimes people want to be super general um, and try to appeal to everybody. Um, and like I said, you know, it doesn't always work. You can't make everybody like you by just trying to get everyone. Um, you just have to be a, your honest self. And as long as you are honest and you have something that you really believe in and you have something that is passionate, um, there will be people who... who and, how do you, and how do you guys split your time right now? I mean, um, you know, what percentage of your week are, are you still going to school? Oh, no, we are. We just yeah, graduated. Well, okay. We just graduated last summer. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, it seems, you know, based on what you just mentioned, Emmett, like you guys know your audience really well. Um, you've gone deep into what the brand means. I mean, you're, you're, you're a design um, a company, you know, a fashion brand, which is really challenging space to build in. You have to stand out by the brand and what you stand for, which, you know, you, you really understand and, and have the vision really aligned. So, like, how do you guys split up your time, especially when it's just two people? I mean, um, you know, what is Emmett? It focusing on and what is Chas focusing on and how does this dynamic work and are you planning to scale what does that look like yeah so i would say that me and emmett don't have any position like specific position titles like ceo or president like we don't believe in that stuff because like that's so like egoistic and power hungry like we, we're just co-founders so there's but there is certain work that we do split up for example like i do handle some like financial business side of things and Emmett does handle like the designs but there's some stuff we come together for like uh, especially like earlier on like social media or uh, the finalized product and like the logistics and the colors and like all that kind of stuff or photo shoots or uh, communication with celebrities or uh, other collaborations and stuff like that so uh, how we I mean we come in every day at 9 a.m. eastern time and we, we leave at like 6, 7, 8 and uh, we just it doesn't feel like we're working you know what I mean because we're we love it so much. Uh, it's we, we're not tired out from like just coming in and working because like we are we have more freedom and more control in our hands. So um, for specific stuff, I mean, there is some stuff we do split specifically. Like there is more some business stuff that I take care of, and there's more design and creative stuff that Emma takes care of. But there's a lot of stuff that we do come together for and uh, work work on. So yeah, you know, so. it's ironic when they you know how you say. It, you know it feels like you have more freedom and you're working like 12 hours a day but it clearly shows that it's not work when you just when you find a thing where you can just do what you love and it and it's not work it truly is freedom i mean you could go 
12 plus hours a day you know we do this podcast after you know normal work hours or whatever and it's just it's just, it's just the same thing yeah yeah no absolutely and i also know that like i mean i'm not sure exactly what your viewership is on this podcast but I, i'm sure there are so many people like that are in our positions so i don't want to uh, make anybody think that it's all fun and games um and that they're doing something wrong if they're having tough days um because of course there are days where it is more like work um and it can be difficult but it's the idea that as long it's it's us kind of really focusing in on what we are good at um and we can get into these flow states where it, it isn't like work and where we are just like pushing through and pushing through but um, of course, there are days that are different and there are days that are harder. Uh, so, you know, that's obviously natural. Yeah. So why, why don't we jump into that a little bit? What are some of the like toughest challenges that you guys have run into, um, you know, either in the early days or even through now? Like, what are some of the challenges that you guys are like really, you know, trying to push through? First, yeah, I would say first problem I think we have is we are a two-man show right now and um, it is a lot on our plate to just do do this as two people and it has been a lot the last couple of years and it is like overwhelming and tiring and like um, sometimes we just have like uh, some disagreements on things where we like having another person would be very helpful to take some of that load off and having that person being able to help guide and like grow the brand themselves too so um, I would say that's one of the biggest I would say like things that we would definitely need as, you know, a business, especially a growing business, right? So having employees, having other coworkers, I mean, I, I see this guy every day, you know, like I've been seeing this guy every day. It would be nice to have like different coworkers to help bring in those ideas and uh, uh, give awful like a, like a, a nice direction or different direction or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I would say that like probably the most, the most difficult times are just times where there is work that would normally be spread among more people than just us. Um, so a lot of times that's like before collections are being dropped and it could be, you know, on the day of a photo shoot where we have to kind of handle a lot and where we're directing the photo shoot and we're also the people carrying the clothes around and we're also doing, you know what I mean? Just things that are just at a certain, to a certain point, like almost physically impossible, um, to do, uh, like without having more people. So you have to really optimize, um, and focus on what's the most important to do. Um, yeah, I would say that's probably no, it, it's it's super impressive what you guys have been able to pull off by yourself by yourselves and um it's also really inspiring to to think about like how you guys can bootstrap a business like this from the time you're in college to you know you guys create your own amazing brand and and jobs for yourself right like that should be inspiring in the very least because i know there's i'm sure there's a ton of kids going through college who are just like oh who, where do i have to go work for who do i have to work for but you guys you know turned yourself into your own employers right out of college, which is, which is amazing. Right. Um, so taking one step back, um, when you guys were getting set up, I know you had like mentioned that, um, initially like setting up the online storefront, you guys were like using Shopify and stuff like that. So why don't you take us through that process? What was it like launching your online store? Um, and you know, how, how have you guys been able to like grow the channel? Are you guys, you know, using and integrating with other tools at all? Or what, what is your like e-com tech stack, if you will, look like? Yeah. So I would say when we first were looking to start a business, I was like, I literally Googled like how to sell t-shirts online and Shopify came up and I looked at it and I was like, oh, interesting. You know? So, uh, 
did a free trial, saw it, and like it, I had freedom to customize my own website, and, I, and it, we had a very simple, simple website, like very white clip, but it was cool. I, I actually liked it, and um, that that was like kind of like where we started with website, and then you could buy a domain on Shopify, and off cloth was not taken, thank God, um, and. Uh, that's kind of how we set up and throughout the years we kept adding stuff for example like you add channels like and uh, well and this is as shopify grows too right it's like you're adding like the instagram channel to your thing and connecting your like online store with your instagram facebook google tiktok pinterest right um and there's also like stuff that we've like added to um the shop to like having a shop store which at, there's like a shopify shop store like i'm not saying the word shop you know there's like an app called shop and that's another platform where uh, we've recently just started selling and uh there's that de- there's definitely different like uh apps what i, I don't know the proper word for it i, I don't want to call them apps but like uh integrations right for like our website like having an email sign up or having a currency converter or even having um like uh, a loader screen right so like, if you go on our website right now like going through the like the page we have like our drip drop logo dripping through each page when it's like loading and just small stuff like that and um that that's kind of like what what has happened in our development and um figuring out new channels like uh pinterest we didn't know could have been a potential channel or like realizing the importance of a facebook or instagram shop along the way was very important and even email marketing like uh, like a lot of our revenue does come from like emails and we recently started doing emails like like last year um, like in january so you guys are running like an agency too like it's it's pretty crazy uh, i actually laugh because i imagine Chaz telling Emmett like yo make these designs i'm gonna sell <laughs> the shit out of this and then Chaz gets the designs go home and, and go goes home and googles how to sell t-shirts <laughs> online <laughs> yeah no absolutely i mean and honestly like I think that also the world has changed so much. I mean, like, I think consumers are so aware of what it means to, I mean, not, not that they totally know, but I think consumers are more aware possibly nowadays of what it means uh, and what it looks like to run a business than maybe they used to. Um, I feel like nowadays everyone has uh, at least some experience with a friend or an acquaintance or someone they went to school with that is doing something, some sort of venture or selling their paintings or trying to start a clothing brand or anything like that um, to the point where uh, I also want to say like we owe a lot of it to our customers for like understanding what it looks like to not be the gap or um, you know any other of these gigantic ginormous brands um, and still wanting to support despite maybe differences in like website design or things like that Um, and also in weird ways that also kind of lends itself to the design of a lot of websites I think nowadays we see kind of this clean website design. And I don't think that that's just because we like minimalism. I think like maybe there's people who like minimalism, but there's also just so many people out there who need to make a minimalist website because they can't afford something um, more intensive. Um, So it kind of balances itself out. I don't know if that makes any sense, Um, but uh, I think kind of just the way that things have changed, there's like, there are openings in the world for businesses like us um to thrive you know in these in these realms so and do you use like contracting developers or like do you do everything on the shopify website yourself we got a guy we got a website guy <laughs> and he, he helped us build our like most recent website and, and he he's awesome shout out ben um and the last names uh but he, he's awesome like he, he he helped us develop because he is an expert in that and we are we're not 
we're not like techie dweeby, you know, like we don't know how to like code and like do all that stuff. So having somebody uh, who we could explain our vision to and pulling in examples and having them like help develop our website was really, really awesome and really helpful for us. Yeah. So, so what, what's next? Like what, what's on the docket for you guys, um, coming up? Like I, I'm on your website. I see there's a bunch of really cool hoodies and like corduroy hats. I'm going to, I'm going to have to pick some up myself. Um, but what, what <laughs> yeah, there we go. So what, what's next on the horizon for you guys? Yeah. So, uh, th- I mean, like most, like very, very, uh, soon in the future, uh, we've got a couple of big collabs coming up that we're very excited about. Um, collabs that are pretty local to New York. Um, so, you know, we are uh, Chicago. We, we began in Chicago, but now we're a New York based brand. So we have uh, a lot of like allegiance to both Chicago and New York. And we really want to focus on like becoming more local. Um, so we have a couple cool collabs that like we're very excited about that you can uh, kind of keep an eye on uh, on the horizon um, and some pop ups, hopefully, that we're going to be doing this summer um, in the city that will be pretty exciting. So that's something that we're really um, like very close to uh, and looking forward to a lot. Yeah, definitely. And also, um, more recently, in the next month, we're going to release a new summer collection. So uh, new hoodies, shorts, hats, uh, t-shirt. Um, we're, so we're working on that. So, and that's like the that's like the fun part because when we when we see like when we have different visions about designs and products and seeing them come to life and being able to sell that and give that to our customers is like the most satisfying feeling in the entire world because people just love what we kind of see and envision and give to them. So, um, summer collection coming up, collabs, um, pop ups, hopefully, um, and we got we, yeah. What, what kind of, I, I'm interested in hearing more about um, some of the collabs that you guys are doing because I think that's a really cool way to grow. It's a really cool way to take an awesome product and put it in the hands and work with other like, like-minded brands. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what you guys are allowed to share or not share, but um, if there's specific brands you could drop in there, that'd be dope. If not, um, you know, just general describing like how these sort of things work with you guys and, and what um, you guys see out coming out of them. Yeah, well, Blaine, a magician never reveals all their secrets, so you got to keep some pocketed in. Um, no, all jokes aside, um, we're, we're once we for the barstool thing, for example, we didn't squeal a word to anybody, not even my own mom, nobody, nobody knew about it until literally during that week of Thanksgiving when we released it on Black Friday. So uh, we we like to surprise like our customers and like um, I we really do wish we could like drop names right now, but there's like certain contracts and it's like. We don't want it like those deals kind of like crumble because of that. So, um, but working working with these collabs, like a lot of people, a lot of different brands reach out to us, and uh, we reach out to a few that we're interested in, and uh, we just talk about our ideas and how uh, we can make um, their you know their business more apparel friendly or more uh, awful, have better looking clothes and stuff like that, and kind of benefiting both ways from it, right? So we benefit a little bit, they benefit a little bit, and just bringing awareness to both brands. So, and so. Sure. Like we, we don't need to like talk specific brands. I totally get that. But like, just in terms of like, you know, it walk me through, um, how a deal like that goes, like how many units, I know you said like you had to do 3,500, for example, for, for Barstool, but like, obviously there's a bunch that goes into, in terms of like planning, like the inventory, what it's going to look like, et cetera. So how do you guys kind of manage it? And if you could just scope one out of these, one of these deals out for us, like how long does it take to do? What's the quantity? How long does the creative back and forth take? And then, you know, what do you kind of expect from the final release? 
of course, yeah. No, yeah. So we can talk a little bit more about it. Um, so like Chaz was saying, we're looking uh, like into like some, uh, not necessarily brands, but companies that might uh, need some more apparel or somebody that we, we think that has kind of a, this shares a space with us, but doesn't necessarily do apparel or doesn't necessarily do the same kind of thing that we do, which I think for us is really fun. Um, we, we aren't as focused right now on collaborating with brands as much as we are collaborating with um, companies, um, people who don't necessarily do exactly what we do, but who have like an understanding and an appreciation for it. Um, so I think like something that we really look for in a brand besides just matching a similar market and a similar vibe, a similar like exuberance um, is somebody who is willing to be creative. Um, so there are plenty of companies out there who think that they know everything and, and maybe they do, um, but uh, it's not something that we're interested in um, when, they're, when they don't want to be open-minded. Um, so I think we're looking a lot of times for people who really want to hear on our, uh, from our side of things and share their side of things and come meet somewhere in the middle, a true collaboration, um, whereas, uh, you know, sometimes that's not always the case. Um, I would say in terms of like, Timelines, it, it can really be anything. Timelines and quantities can vary greatly. Um, so obviously with Barstool, we were set to a very specific timeline because we needed um, it to be on this specific day. It's not always such a specific drop day that we're worried about, but I would say on average, it's a few months um, that a collab will take up. So anywhere from three to six months that we're just like ready uh, to do the collaboration. Um, and then in terms of quantities, sometimes, you know, we have quantities like Barstool that are 3,000, 5,000 and up. Um, and then sometimes we're doing things that we are not focused so much on the quantity as much as we are on the exclusivity. Um, so sometimes we're doing, you know, very small unit drops. So anywhere uh, from 200 to 500 pieces and that's it. Um, and I think that a lot of times people are really interested in those kind of collaborations just because they uh, understand that the importance of exclusivity and sometimes their customer base wants that kind of thing. Um, and so that's kind of like a little overview about like how we look at collaborations. Um, but we can definitely talk more about it. I, I hope I answered like, yeah, no, th th that's super helpful. And then I guess the, the last question on that front, just in terms of the logistics of how you actually like pull it off, right? Like, so when you do something like with Barstool, are they selling it on their storefront? Are you guys just fulfilling orders on the back end? Like, what is the actual like execution of it look like when it comes to the fulfillment side? Yeah, um, Dave was pretty uh, certain <laughs> that it was only going to be sold on Barstool as an exclusive this. And he said, uh, we'll give you back some of the hoodies if they don't sell out. And they sold out in three days. So, um, but it, 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 it depends. It depends if uh, some of these uh, companies have like even had e-commerce websites. Some don't. Some don't have merch. Some do have merch. So, um, it, it, it depends what which, which each party wants and wants to see. So, um, but we're pretty open to it. I mean, what Dave says goes, so we, we, we couldn't, you know, negotiate that. But um, a lot of people still came to our website looking for the hoodie, too. We got a lot of emails about that, too. And uh, we had a directive towards the Barstool way. So, yeah. So, yeah, with, with Barstool, like, it was a pretty specific, um, it was a pretty specific set of circumstances. Um, so they actually bought from us um, only to be on their website. Um, and sometimes, like, that is influenced by just how the drop is going to go. So uh, in terms of Barstool's perspective, they wanted to be an exclusive Barstool drop that was a collaboration with a brand that they love, Awful Cloth. Um, so that's kind of how it looked, and it made sense to go that way. Um, whereas some collaborations, 
can, and also it, it can totally depend on where these companies are. So uh, for example, on a collaboration that we're working on more locally right now, we might do something where we actually uh, meet halfway. So it's half and half on their Instagram, on their website, on our Instagram, on our website, um, something that is more collaborative, even in the marketing aspect of things. Um, but like Chad said, it does vary. Um, but I would say um, those, it, it really kind of goes between those two things. Either we are making it as a collaboration for them or for us. So it's more one or one with the, uh, the other company being the collaborator um, or we're meeting halfway on everything. And that's kind of usually the two ways that we go. No, guys, that, that's, that's super, super helpful and wishing you guys all the best in terms of these collections. I'm going to keep my eye out. Um, so ho hopefully I, I just bought one right now. Did you? <laughs> oh, really? I, yeah. I've, I've been, I've been, I've been looking through the site, uh, Ramona. I'm, I'm waiting for the, uh, for one of these to come back in stock. The, the green one is, is, is pretty dope. Um, so yeah, that, so, the new, the new one that you have, the new hat that you have, that's coming up, that's on the homepage is super sick. And all the hoodies are super sick. I just went for it. Um, I, I bought the blue hat. Can't wait to get it. Awesome, right? Yeah, I, right I'm gonna here. get the I'm gonna get the green one, Ramon. Okay, well, we got that right here. <laughs> well, no, I bought the blue one that Chaz is wearing. Oh, this blue. Oh, one. this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is a classic. Yeah, it's a classic. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye out um, for you guys. The collabs you have coming up. We'll see if we've got any good ideas because I think that's what you guys are doing, what you've nailed in, in the apparel sense of the world and the, the fashion sense of the world is really cool. There's so many brands that are doing cool stuff that, you know, would benefit from having like a collaboration with apparel where you're getting stuff out there, where you're getting swag out there, but in a, like a cool collaborative sort of sense, instead of just being like company name on hoodie sort of thing. Right. So, um, I'll keep an eye out and think if there's anyone we have in mind, Ramon, maybe we can send some more collabs their way. Um, but anyway, just wanted to, Thank you guys for joining us on the pod. Um, learned a ton. Think the way that you guys have scaled up and grown like out of the dorm rooms selling quesadillas to where you're at now collabing with Barstool, other big brands, major TikTokers and everything. I think it's a really, really cool story for everyone to pick up on. So the last question I just have is, um, you know, for our listeners who are listening, where can they find you guys? Are you guys on you know, Instagram, um, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter? Like shout out your socials. Yeah, definitely. So our website is uh, www.awfulcloth.com. That is www.awfulcloth.com. Our Instagram and TikTok and Twitter are at awfulcloth. Um, Pinterest, at awfulcloth. LinkedIn, awfulcloth. Facebook, awfulcloth. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's us. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Chaz and Emmett, thanks for, thanks for joining us on the pod, and uh, we look forward to keeping up with you guys soon. Thank awesome. you so we much. We appreciate it. Thank we you. We had guys. a great time. Thank you so much, guys.